If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. This is an ode to Napa cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. Hi there, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. Today we have Kevin Urutia, co-founder and Facebook expert at Voy Media. Kevin, welcome. Hey Mark, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Yeah, it's great having you here. Can you share your background and maybe a little bit about Voy Media? Yeah, so my name is Kevin. My background actually isn't in marketing. I actually went to college for computer science and programming in upstate New York and Binghamton, which is maybe... I know Binghamton. I know oh, you Binghamton. Know? Nice. Yeah. I grew up in Syracuse, New York. So. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I was at Binghamton for four years. I love it there. Much different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Binghamton University is fantastic. Yeah. I love Bing. It's like what? The Ivy League of SUNYs? Yeah. So I did computer science at Binghamton. And really, that started because growing up, I loved video games and I was really big into video games. And I always thought that idea of creating something was awesome. And then I figured these guys are programming or building something with a website. And right. that's how I got into programming. But but when I went to Binghamton, what I realized that computer science and like programming, as people see it now, like websites, iPhone apps, are two very different things. Yep. <laughs> computer science is more like the theory of computers and programs. And yeah, of course, you learn Java and all this sort of stuff. But I was really more interested in website building and making like a startup because I was really big into TechCrunch, TechMeme, all these like tech things back then, like Hacker News. And that really made me do web development. So in college, I started my own web development agency with Wilson, who's my friend. And we started a company called, cleverly enough, One Tiny Bit. So wow. we, <laughs> yes. So with One Tiny Bit, we were doing web development for people in upstate New York. So the way we found customers was we just went to Craigslist. Craigslist is a great way to find people. So sure, we just yeah. emailed them and we're saying, hey, look, we're college students. We can make your website for you and then come talk to us. Little did we know back then that this was all sales and marketing and and just like selling your people and your services. Like I think I tell people all the time, like I, we learned so much from one tiny bit about how to quote, how to calculate hours. This was like, we were 19 and 20 at the time, like trying to figure this all out. And we're just like, whoa, this is kind of crazy. But we did it for like a year, we graduated. And then I followed my dream, which was to move to San Francisco. And then yeah. that's when I was just like, whoa, like this is the mecca of like tech and marketing, uh, just tech space, right? And really at that time, market, tech in New York City was very different than what it is now. But in San Francisco, like everybody there was into tech and programming. And like for us, this is like where I felt like I connected with my people. I was like, whoa, like everybody talks about computers and programming, iPhone apps, making startups on the weekend, working at night, doing hackathons and competitions. <laughs> That's like what I loved. When I was in New York, we were like, 
why are you doing that? That's weird. Like, obviously it's very different now, but like, that's where I felt I had to go to San Francisco. And that's when I worked in uh, tech and I was doing a lot of hackathons and competitions still at the same time, building stuff, like yeah. behind the scenes, like building websites, building iPhone apps, nothing that was really kind of getting traction. And back then I was really big into this camp of like, Hey, if you build a great product, customers will find you. Right. Yeah. It's like, if you build it, they will come. That, I was really big into that because I was like, yeah, like this totally makes sense to me, right? I was like, if you have a great software, a great website, people will just find you. And me and Wilson kept building stuff, but we never found traction. And that's when we realized like, hey, we actually have to do this thing called marketing. And that's when we started picking up about like first type of marketing that we learned. I think people always, maybe you always learn this. is like, what's the best way to get free traffic? And I was like, oh, SEO. Yeah. So then we learned SEO, right? I think it's the first thing people probably Google online. It's like free traffic. <laughs> so then... I was learning SEO. Um, anyways, long story short, getting this is I then went back to New York City because I was in California for a few years. I went, I missed being back home and I really wanted to live in New York City because I grew up in Long Island. I was like, I gotta spend at least a year or two living in New York City. It's like the place that people dream of living and I have that chance to do it. I want to go do it. And that's when I started my maid company called Maid Sailors and completely different than tech. That's really where I learned about pure marketing. And that was like sales sales as in like talking to people on the phone because people will call to book a cleaning service. So I learned how to sell that type of thing on my on the phone. I also learned email marketing. I learned SEO and I learned Facebook marketing. And I always tell people like the way I learned was because I was like, hey, like I need to bring in customers. I got to figure out this stuff because I can't afford to pay anybody. So that was like kind of where that <laughs> came from. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I got to figure this out. So I spent like all my day, like back then on SEO, you probably know like SEO laws, Rand Fishkin was like the biggest like SEO personality out there. So I like was really following him and learning everything they were doing. And then for Facebook, just like online, reading all that stuff. And then email marketing, MailChimp was really big back then. I think now like Clavio took over. But yeah. yeah, but that's kind of how I started doing more marketing. And that led me to start my outdoor gear company. That was more of like an e-commerce business. And then that after that, I started Chester, which is my luggage company. So really this concept of like building things is always something I've done since I was like 17. So I've always... When I tell people, like, how did I build other companies? Because the made company had traction and proof, and that gave me the money to start other stuff. Yeah. Because I was like, wow, after building stuff for like years and finally something worked, and now I have money to actually build my other ideas, right? So, like, yeah, yeah that's, I think, and people always tell me, like, made business, it's not sexy, but it allowed me to learn so much, and it gave me the freedom and ability to make other stuff. Right. And then that sometimes, I think mean, you probably know, Mark, is like, people want to build that first the first business, people wanted to be like the best thing they've ever done. But like before the makeup, I did like seven or eight things that all sucked, but <laughs> they helped me, right? They all like- They, they, all, they add yeah. to your body of knowledge. Yeah, exactly. And that's how people, it's like, I call it like a stair-step approach. Where it's like the first thing you may not like it, but it helps you go learn a little bit more. Okay, now you learn about hiring. Now you learn about firing. Now you learn about sales. Now you learn about Facebook, email. Like everything's a stair-step. And you just, as you sort of going on this path, you get better and better and then like Chester is much better because of all the failed stuff that I've done. And it's, it was able to launch quicker and better and make more money faster than like the, my first thing I did, which I had no clue how to even like, you know, do the basic marketing of that. But those experiences help you later on. And you may not think that starting a cleaning service or a maid company, whatever it was, yeah. would help you run Voy Media. But it does. I bet every day there's things that you learned in running that business that help you run your current business yeah for sure just like the concept of like hiring people and bringing on great people is sort of like a thing that like 
even for the maid company, you there's so many things to delegate, which is like customers emailing you, customers calling you, and then you actually have to, the teams, right? The cleaners, think about it like taxi drivers. You're kind of like dispatching service, yeah. right? So yeah, it's like, it's like, you just think about it and it's like, you just learn. And similar to Void Media, it's like, you kind of learn, like you work with clients. Okay, who should you put on these teams based on personalities, based on types, based on what they've done before? It all kind of ties together, but yeah. <laughs> but and I guess Boy Media, going back to what that is, Boy Media right now, we mainly help e-commerce businesses and digital products uh, sell more online. Yeah. And that's through just paid social, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, YouTube, and, and Snapchat are sort of our biggest channels that we work with. Yeah. So thinking about today's world and thinking about those social channels, what's the best kind of content to offer now? So right now, really the best type of content that we're seeing for any sort of product that you might have is still educational content. We still think that content is really good for a lot of businesses, especially if you're selling some sort of digital product online about like, for example, a Facebook ads course or maybe a cooking course, right? Teaching people how to do it for free is still, I think, the best kind of content because it's like you're really building your sort of like celebrity-ness, we call it, right? Which is like people get to know you and like, oh, I really like what you're teaching. I think you're a good person. Kind of like why you watch for example, right now, when you watch movies from a celebrity, you're like, oh, I like Brad Pitt because you've seen all his other stuff. Yeah. So you're kind of like using now when he makes a new movie, it's like you're instantly he knows he's going to get fans because they just like him as a person. And really, you're building that sort of rapport with customers right now. Right. Yeah. Most companies that I know of that do social media usually focus on one platform. So it'll be a business that utilizes uh, Instagram or Facebook. That then can kind of limit you, right? That you're only getting one audience coming to buy your products. How can you ensure that you get a kind of diversity of traffic across these platforms? Yeah. So sometimes, depending on what you're doing with Facebook, we've seen this too, a lot of business owners they just get Instagram to sort of start flowing for traffic. But really with Facebook, it's the same platform. You can just say, hey, give me Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. You just need to make your creative fit for both platforms. But let's say you're trying to go outside of that Facebook, Instagram, and you want to do Google ads or even like YouTube ads. I tell people like, you want to be thinking about does your product or, or, or item make sense there? And a lot of times it does just because YouTube is probably the second largest search engine in the world besides Google and it's owned by Google. Right. So everybody's watching YouTube. Like YouTube just you just need to make your content related to what people think about it. So for example, going back to what we said, like educational content works really well on YouTube because people go to YouTube to watch a video on how to do things. The how-to query on YouTube is probably like the one of the most searched queries that Google said that people look for on the platform. So if you're selling like bow ties, for example, you should probably put on like how to put on a bow tie, sure. what are good shirts that go with bow ties, right? All that content around there. And then you can advertise to those people on those tra on those channels or the videos that they watch that you own the content for. So I think it's like just thinking about the platform and how do you apply for that? Whereas like Instagram, I think Instagram is trying to compete with YouTube with like Instagram's TV or whatever, but it's still not a good search engine such as YouTube, for example. Yeah. Can we think kind of globally here? Think about platforms like what we just discussed and Snapchat, mm -hmm. TikTok, and all that. If I run a company and it's based in Silicon Valley, just for argument's sake, 
but I know that there's a market for my stuff in uh, Thailand and Australia and maybe in Chile or somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. How can I ensure that I find the right platforms that are good in those countries and those areas and appropriate for what I want to sell or market? If you think of India, that's kind of like a world unto itself. There are platforms over there that are very successful that don't even really exist elsewhere. And same with China, obviously, for certain reasons. They have their own kind of internet that is contained in China. I'm just wondering how you can ensure that you appeal, that you use the right vehicles to appeal to the right areas. Yeah, no, that's a good question because we workers in clients that sell into some of these like, countries that you mentioned. But number one thing first is, is if you really want to go to these countries where, like, say, India, just completely different way of doing business or even China, I always tell people, like, ideally kind of want to work with somebody that's in that country that can sort of that knows the lingo, that knows mm. the space. And there's a few ways to do this. One is just to hire somebody from there. But, like, there's other platforms here in, like, Upwork, for example, that you can go in and that we've done before successfully where we just say, hey, look, we're looking for a consultant that has lived in these countries that can help us market our product. And then that person can help you really understand what the platforms are. Sometimes you just can't get approval if, the, if you're in the US. And really, if you think about some of these bigger companies, that's why they have like divisions in that country because they hire local people to really help with that business. But like, say you have all that done. I think a key thing sometimes people think about is like, you actually have to like translate the content on your website to be local to that language because the lingo is gonna be a little different. But at the same time, making sure the prices and the credit card processing systems are local to that country as well. Because yes, in the US, everybody takes like Stripe or PayPal, but other countries, like say for China, like WeChat and WePay is like the biggest thing and no one would even touch credit cards anymore right here because it's like, they're just so simple. But I think just like having that framework of really wanting to work with somebody from that country is super helpful because they're going to really tell you what you might need. And of course, they either consultant or, but we've done it too, is like, we just know friends that have lived there, right? You probably know some like expats that move there, right? So they can give you good insights before you hire somebody if you don't have any money. Yeah. Using technology to help you is one of the beauties of the world today. Being able to hire someone for a short engagement to help you understand, say, the market in Thailand or elsewhere is just, it's a really smart way to do business. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalit.org today. Yeah. Another way to mark is just go to that country and be like, hey, I'm going on a business trip and then see what they're using. Yeah. Yeah, so. And it's really nice this time yeah. of year. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. You can do that too. Yeah. <laughs> So we're speaking about the world, right? And what's going on in the world right now? We're gripped by a pandemic. There's racial unrest in the country and economic uncertainty. And there's a presidential election coming up. There's just a lot of stuff happening. And I'm interested specifically with COVID going back to March or so, how has this all affected the way you run your agency and you know manage the people who you work with and your clients and all that? Yeah, so 
Good question. So for us, Boy Media, we're based out of New York City. So we had an office here in Midtown and our office was like pretty big. It was like 10K a month, right? And for us, it was just like, like for us in the beginning, it was like anybody. It's like, oh, it's going to last. Was what? what was that, like 500 square feet? Or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Trust, yeah. It's like nothing at all. Yeah. It's New York City. It's like it's tiny, right? Uh, yes. So for us, it was like, okay, like we're just going to like pay it, right? And then people work from home for a month. And then it's like, okay, people work from two months. So really for us, what we did here at the agency was everybody just like working remotely started because we're obviously based in New York City, but we also had some people that were also remote. Mm-hmm. And at kind of like right now, it's at the point where no one goes to the office because we're now we're so used to working from home. But the thing that's like kind of interesting for me was that when I was working in Silicon Valley and kind of working on stuff, working from home was a thing that we did always. So it's kind of interesting to see how like now it's shifting towards like all the markets or industries where you're always told you can't work from home because someone higher up were just like, yeah, it's not possible. Like all the banks, right? Like banks, like you can never work from home. But now you realize like all these big banks are still doing business fine and all their employees are working from home. So from what I see for us, it's better because I like it now because now clients are much happier to just do Zoom calls yeah. and not like, like, hey, you don't need to come into the office. I'm like, you don't need to come in today. Like you don't need to come to our office to talk just talk, call some Zoom. It's much quicker <laughs> to just have a conversation like that. Uh, where before, obviously, if I know agency, it's like sometimes clients come in, you pitch them, right? And then like, it's like five people. So, but this is sort of like helpful that way. And another thing actually that's helpful for us too is just for our employees now is they love working from home. Uh, most of them, at least, obviously some don't, but like, it's sort of a great way to sort of just connect with people in a different way. And we're trying to get better at it. Like Slack is, you can only talk so much to Slack, but we're trying to have like Zoom calls of the employees every month or so where we can just like, at least just talk about something random, not related to work. And that's helpful with that sort of communication. But really for us, we're trying to deal with it in just, I think like different ways. I know some people really miss that office experience just because you can get lunch and sort of do things together. So it's see people, yeah. Yeah, those kinds of off-the-cuff discussions don't happen. The camaraderie is different. Yeah. It definitely gives you great flexibility as a business. Yep. It gives you less overhead if you can get out from under that lease. And if you do need to have a midtown meeting eventually when people actually do want to be within six feet of each other, you could rent a by-the-hour yep. conference room or something like that. Yeah, it's so funny you said it because we're actually doing that today, like this afternoon. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. yeah, so we have someone has a rooftop in the East Village and we're all just going there to just meet up for like the first time in like months. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So what is the feeling you're getting from clients? Are they optimistic? Are they looking to the future? Are they worried? What's their frame of mind? I think, so right now it's interesting. I think a lot of clients, obviously you probably heard September, like a lot of businesses are not doing well just because of like whatever that spending is just really high mm. and conversions are really low. So it's interesting because like during that sort of like COVID time, sales are super high. And now I think now e-commerce businesses are like, oh yeah, this is great for us. But now they're seeing September results and they're like, oh, whoa, like maybe COVID isn't good for us. So now there are a lot of clients are feeling kind of like, actually feeling the impact now mm. and we, we're trying to figure out now that too is like is it the facebook ads that's getting more expensive or is it that now people are realizing like oh wow i actually don't have money because i haven't been working these past few months right it's like there's the more yeah. government checks coming in <laughs> so it's like right. yeah it's like oh there's actually no money here. so it's interesting right now because we're seeing a lot of this right now so 
a lot of clients are emailing us or just or at least messaging us on Slack saying like, hey guys, like, should we be worried about anything? Because we ordered all this inventory because you know the last two months it was really high, right? Sales number. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what we're seeing. We're also trying to figure out what that is because it's not for just like the client businesses, it's also for like my businesses as well. The ones that like Chester and the Outdoor Gear Company, we're also seeing this thing too. So I'm thinking it's just a mix of like holiday season coming up where people know like like people are now so used to like the sales. They're just like, hey, let's just wait a few weeks and I know I'm going to get 50% off. So like, yeah. let's like not buy things, right? So it's kind of because we're, we're so accustomed to we the customers to buying stuff on sale during these next few months that now they're just like getting smarter, right? Yeah, so they're maybe cautious. Yeah. Maybe a little bit worried and cautious about what you know the rest of this year holds and certainly what 21 is going to look like. Yeah, I think so too. So what do you think about the future? Do you think agency like yours or some of the bigger or smaller ones will return to offices or do you think we'll stay virtual once COVID ends? And it will end someday. It will end for sure. I think it will end too. For my thoughts, at least for us, I think think a lot of people are going to want to be remote. I think it showed people like how much they can actually work from home and how much they enjoy working from home without commuting. I think the commute part is the biggest thing that's affected people. Even for me, like I live in the city, I work in the city, it's still like an hour each way. Mm-hmm. That's two hours every day that you're commuting. And yes, commuting is okay because you can listen to podcasts and all that stuff, but it's still, but now you're just like, whoa, that's two hours. Like I just, I can just be at home waking up and then literally turning on my computer and just like washing my face and I'm ready to go. Right. That's yeah, awesome. yeah. yeah. So I think for us, I would love for us to work home. And I'm, I told my employees like, yeah, we can probably work from home. And I, a lot of employees like that because now they're like, Hey, can I just like work from anywhere? I'm like, technically, yeah. Like as long as you get your work done. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's like, and then I, but, but at the same time, we have some employees that do miss that camaraderie. So we're thinking it's got to be a little mix of both, right? Because yeah. you can't, it's going to be hard to please everybody and you got to make the best decision for your company with the employees you have. So we're thinking we might have like, maybe like a we work was great, but I'm not sure if they're still alive or if they're under business. I don't know. Yeah, what, I haven't heard of them, them, right? Oh yeah, I haven't heard of them either. So yeah, I'm not sure. But we work was like a good thing for like, I think we work is even better now after COVID because it's like, now their stuff makes sense where it's like these little hot spots or remote spots, right? So that's sort of what I'm thinking, yeah. I would imagine someone who runs an agency like you, if you need to hire a specific skill, you don't have to limit yourself geographically, right? So you could find someone in Romania who could do what you need, right? And that wouldn't really matter. Exactly, yeah. Like, And that's exactly what we do. We have a lot of people that we hire overseas. We have a lot of people in Europe and France one of my best creative guys that I work with, he's actually lives in Slovenia. Yeah. Super small country and he's great. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, I thought people like, I think exactly what you said. It's with this sort of whole COVID thing, the hiring is going to be very different and you can realize that you can really work with people around the world. So like, it's interesting because like for me, from a programming background, we've always done that because like programmers are just everywhere remotely. And so it's interesting to see it happen in like all the other industries. Yeah. And I think it's great for, for more people, more opportunity, because a lot of times people move to like, let's say the city, New York City, for example, because that's the only place where they can get a job. Now it's like, no, you can still live in like your state in the Midwest and have a job that's great from New York. So I think it's great for just humans in general. Like you don't need to be crowded in these big cities. That's something I think I'm realizing too. I'm like, 
I live in an apartment here in Brooklyn. Like I should get a house instead. Right. So it's like, right, right. <laughs> yeah. It is funny within the last few years before coronavirus, there was this trend with some companies saying, and we're going to stop work from home. I think Yahoo did it several years ago. IBM did it before, well, maybe after that, said people need to work in an office. And I just think this has completely disrupted that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I also think working in the office is like really silly, in my opinion. Like, I mean, you probably had Mark or you probably had your employees or coworkers that like they're in the office. They still don't work. Like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) It's not about location. It's about desire to work. Yeah. I'm like, I tell people all the time, I literally had employees that like, I'm literally sitting next to them and they're still falling asleep. I'm like, okay. (laughs) uh, Yeah. It's just desire that doesn't, yeah. Location doesn't help that. Right. It's like, you know, like they come in for an hour and they're like, they're juiced up and then they're like, oh shit. (laughs) But there's also the argument that bringing, especially creatives, giving them the space to do their work and do it in their own environment, in their home office or wherever they do it, is going to be better than putting them in a cubicle farm in some big office complex, that they're going to do better work. And they're probably going to apply themselves even harder to a problem to help solve it rather than being on the subway or in their car for an hour, hour and a half every day on the way to and from work. Yeah, I think so too. And I think the biggest thing that people are probably going to realize is too, is that they actually do need like a space where it's like completely home office. And I think that home office concept is going to be really big. Soon. Exactly. Yeah. You can't do this at your dining room table long-term. You can do it for a few months, Yeah. but after a while, it just, it'll drive you up a wall. I was doing home office from my couch and I was like, this is the <laughs> worst thing ever. I was like, I cannot concentrate at all. And then I finally got a standing desk. I'm like, oh my God, this is so, now I'm like, I never want to leave this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Working from the couch is like a really short term thing. Yeah. You could do it for an afternoon, but it's not a long term thing. And you do need space. Like if you're yeah. going to do a lot of Zoom calls and you don't live by yourself, you need to have some room to do that where it's quiet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah. This was great. It was great learning about your business and how you're helping clients. And I'm always open for a, a discussion about content. This was a lot of fun, Kevin. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. All right, that does it for this week. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Reed Edwards, executive producer, writer, and host of Confessions of a Marketer. Shep Salau is my producer, helping put together the shows every week. Annalyn Timball is my assistant, and she helps with guest relations and getting everything scheduled just right. Thanks, Sheb and Annalyn. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, and this episode is copyright 2020. Stay healthy and see you next time. You stay home for the greater good. Secondhand smoke doesn't. It drifts through cracks in walls, air vents, and sink drains, spreading toxic chemicals that can damage lungs. Secondhand vape also puts your lungs at risk, even with the fruity smells. Protect yourself and the people around you from these secondhand dangers. Learn how at tobaccofreeca.com.